we as an agency had entered into the agency management system market in 1992. And at that point, we started with one of the biggest, one of the most well-known management systems of the time and had worked with them for years and years. And what we had found is that in the early 2000s, probably I could pinpoint this to something like 2003 or 2002, we start seeing the technology and the customer's need for communication and for the way that we were e-filing. This really started to take just tremendous jumps in this industry. And we were needing to find something. How can we attach emails? How can we attach images? How can we effectively transactional file? And what we were found is that particular vendor was not innovating in those areas that we felt were critical in order to, to best serve our clients and effectively serve them. So it was just by happenstance, one of our carriers had sent out an announcement saying, hey, we now do direct bill commissions download to this particular carrier. And I'd never heard of this carrier. I went out and I started reading a lot about this carrier and was just blown away by the user feedback that I was seeing and that I was reading on that. Most of it was the accessibility as a user to the carrier and the responsiveness that they would have in implementing these things. It also helped that all of those same situations, all of those features that we were really kind of feeling a little bit of heartburn on with not having, they they had that in there or they very quickly had that on the roadmap and no secret there that this particular carrier was Hawksoft. So in 2008, we embarked on about a three month analysis of the, the management system and what we had found, I used it side by side with this other management system. And what we found was that this was filling all of our needs, plus adding a tremendous amount of opportunity to us for how we could manage the agency. And that's everywhere from, you know, making diary entries of our conversations with our clients all the way up through the accounting. It was just so much more than what we had and uh, that's what caused us to make the switch to Hawksoft and about a month and a half, two month process as far as the migration uh, got us up and running and, and we've never looked back. Hi, I'm George Patterson with Williamson Insurance Service in Zanesville, Ohio, and this is why we chose Hawksoft. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy industry's hard enough as it is, we really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse, and we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software-first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates 
all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksoft. Gotta love Hawksoft. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? You know, I listen to that every night before bed. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. How are you doing today, brother? Good, man, how are you? I'm in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, proud to be down here. It's uh, only 800 degrees. You know, with all the things going on in my life that, you know, are always going on, it's, uh, you know, the Bible, the, the one central message that I got out of the Bible was life is struggle. And it don't matter what you do, and you're going to run into hard times. Now, some of us have harder times than others, but life is struggle. And I've got a lot of things going on right now, uh, some really, really good, some really, really bad. But we're going we're gonna to get through it. We always do. I've got to where it's what I tell Clinton Orr every time I get off the phone with him. I said, hey, you know what? We got We got through everything else. We'll figure this out. You know what's funny about that? It's so funny you brought that up. So... Are we about to I have was, a Bible study? We are. We we are. Bible study in here. We are. Rand is going to be the pastor. So I was looking back at old photos mm. last week. Mm. And specifically, um, you know, me and Laurel went to Cuba a few years ago. Remember and I was that. looking back at photos from Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because there was a cigar I smoked while I was there that I liked. And I was trying to find if I had a picture of it. We could blow it up and see what it was. Maybe. Yeah. Or could you remember what it, you remembered what it was? It was a Cohiba Maduro. I think I'm saying that right, okay. but that's what it ended up being. I, and I thought that's what it was, but I was trying to confirm. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, I was looking at, the, and I saw a picture. And so that was for those of you that have listened to the, that are OG podcast mm-hmm. listeners. I quit the captive company I was at, mm-hmm. and then three months later started Portal, or two months later started mm-hmm. Portal. Well, that trip was right smack dab in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I looked at a picture of me and Laurel, and I thought to myself for a half a second, I said, man, and, and I had a problem that popped up in the agency, nothing that's not normal stuff, but a problem that popped mm-hmm. up last week mm-hmm. I was dealing with. I thought to myself, I, I looked at that photo and I said, man, I just thought I had problems back then. Yeah. And the the stuff that I was stressed out about all worked out. Mm-hmm. And then I, it was almost like the little devil on my shoulder turned back to myself and said, what do you think the deal is with the problem you're dealing with sure, now? It's going to be the same thing. You're going to look at a picture from this podcast recording session. Yep. 
two years from now and be like, man, I was stressed out about that problem. Now I have this other problem that's 10 times that, and it's going to work out okay too. I said, you know what? Let's just let it happen. Calm down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stop stressing. And, so and you know what? I got an email this morning that that problem was solved. There you go. So, Bradley, I got, I got one more story, and then we're going to bring – I've sorry. got to bring our all-star guests on today. I am like a kid on Christmas morning and the night before my dad. I th- remember this like it was yesterday. Scott, Santa Claus is coming tonight. Do not get out of that bed at 4 o'clock in the morning and wake me up to go look at those Christmas presents. So then I would have to develop this wily Coyote plan of getting up in the morning and then sneaking in there to see the Christmas before I – got them up have you seen the liver kings video where he admitted to using steroids uh yeah the first eight minutes of that is a master class on how to tell your kid santa claus isn't real mm. just go back and listen to I that and that'll be the funniest thing i've ever said to you so i've held off on telling you this for some period of time I, i've had this idea in my head and i bounced it off a couple of people one person i bounced it off of which i probably should not have was daniel song because daniel song's tiktok famous right he's right. got song life and and, and he will tell you that I was probably the onus behind getting he and Christina to do their podcast that they're doing now because I talked to her about it. And I'm like, y'all got to do this. You're going to do this podcast. And now she loves it. Well, here comes the rest of the Uh-oh. Story. I give him my idea I had. Mm-hmm. And now he's all over me about doing it. Oh. But, but so it would be a, it would be a, a podcast with my wife. Mm-hmm. Kim, mm-hmm. Which you, um, you can't even fathom the stories that we have yeah. living in Pine Ridge, Alabama, Meth Mountain, population 79. <laughs> but like the population goes down every time you come but, here. But here's here's where here's where it gets good. It, instead of it being the normal relationship podcast, it's talking about two people who've been divorced, mm. being in your 40s and being divorced and getting divorced and life after divorce with your new spouse, all that. So I go to Johnny, our producer, and I propose this idea to him. And Johnny goes, yeah, no, I think you probably need to stay where you are. (laughs) Why did he say that? Uh, Well, it's just a lot easier getting going in a niche. And if if you go out mainstream, Scott, you're going to be competing with people like Michelle Obama. And my response to that was, I don't mean to be cocky or anything, but I don't. (laughs) think michelle obama can hold a candle to what i can do behind a microphone anyway it was funny that he was just like nah, i don't think you ought to do it i think you should do it i don't know we'll see it ain't gonna be right now record five pilot episodes and send them to about 50 people and just say hey what do you think of this? yeah what do you what do you think about that guys we have a very special guest two special guests on today i'm gonna tell you why this is so special to me i love talking about the psychology of sales sales training of just how different people who are thought leaders and these these guys are what their perspective is on how to sell whatever it is you're selling specifically today insurance because they've been in this world and they sat behind the same chair that we're all sitting behind they also do a podcast we're going to talk about that today as well but i want to try to give them the introduction that they've always deserved Ladies and gentlemen, they are originally from Odessa, Missouri, and they currently reside in Winnebago, Missouri. God, I hope I said that right. <laughs> They're a graduate of Baker University, and their past roles include serial entrepreneur, state farm agent, put an asterisk beside that, Weaver Virtual Solutions, Weaver Fitness, and currently, today, 
They are the co-founders of Weaver Sales Academy. Through their combined decades of experience leading multiple sales organizations to massive revenue growth, they simplify the sales process and help their clients expedite their profitability with the quote three method. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first time guest on the IGP, Michael and Courtney Weaver. How are you, Michael? Hey, Courtney. Hi. Hey, how are y'all? Thank you so much. Guys, it is such an honor to have you on here today. And thank you to Bradley for booking you on this podcast today. Now, you are guys and girls. But by, by the way, I absolutely love the guy, the fact that y'all are husband-wife combo. I love that so much. It makes me happy. I'm going to do something kind of old school. I'm going to ask you to kind of go back in your DeLorean, my DeLorean, excuse me, and talk a little bit about how your time as an insurance agent with State Farm and, and kind of how that has now morphed into, based on your entrepreneurial spirit, gotten us to where we are today. So before we go there, I'm going to share a story, if that's okay. I have a Christmas story. Um, you shared a Christmas yes, story. I did. So my brother and I, every year, he would like army crawl out of his bedroom. He would run down the hallway on Christmas Eve. He would come back and he would report everything that Santa got, awesome. which was, a. Uh, it was great for him. Terrible for me. No surprise. One year we decided, all right, Santa's already came. So we get up at three o'clock in the morning. And we wake our parents up. Mom comes down with the camcorder on the shoulder, do the whole bit. We open up Christmas at 3 a.m. The rule after that became you cannot get up and open presents until the sun comes up. So for years, my brother would literally sit at the window and wait for the sun to come up. So if you're struggling with keeping kids in, in their rooms on Christmas Eve, that was a, a life changer. So let's talk about insurance. <laughs> That's a great story. I have a funny Christmas story that I'm not going to tell on the air. Love Christmas stories. Yeah. Anyway. Now I, so, now I want it. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. He'll remember it in a minute. No, you you remember it, but you don't want to tell it. My life will kill me if I tell that oh, story. Okay. Yeah. okay. Don't do that. You guys t- tell me just a little bit, just elevator speech if you want to. Like, so, you know, we... We at one point are, a, I believe, State Farm agency mm-hmm. owner, but you guys have always been entrepreneur, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and, and had that type of spirit. And I tell people all the time, I think I told the podcast three or four years ago, I said, you know, I'm an independent insurance agent. But when I started in the insurance business, when you cut me open, I bled red and it wasn't blood. It was State Farm red. <laughs> I just always thought that when I deep dove into the insurance industry, that one day I would be a State Farm agency owner and then life happens. And I was an associate agent and you know how that goes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I don't want to get into all that, but suffice to say that just the road I traveled had a couple of whys in it that has ended me being here today instead of a State Farm agency owner. But I still love State Farm. And I, I, best I remember, they're still the largest auto insurer in the United States, aren't they? I know it goes back and forth between them and Geico. But I said on a podcast three or four years ago, I said, I'll tell you one thing. If the mothership from Atlanta called me and they said, Scott, we've got a $10 million book of business, State Farm book, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. The guy's been there for 45 years. We picked, we hand selected you. Great staff. We think you're the man. I, I'd have to sleep on that. 
I don't think I could just turn that down. I think I'd have to sleep on that a little bit. But so we actually, Michael, when we met, insurance was his thing. I wanted nothing to do with that. He sold me on the dream of insurance. Right. I mean, it was a hard sell because all I knew of insurance, it was boring. It was stuffy. It wasn't fun. I mean, they looked like they were making money and they looked like they were having some good trips. They drove nice cars in my small, tiny Missouri town, but I didn't want anything to do with it. And throughout the process of us dating and really, I mean, he enrolled me into this vision of this is what it looks like. So we're waiting for an opportunity to come up. He proposes and we're like, okay, we're taking it to the next level. Well, what happened in the next few months, we buy a house. We decide that this is an opportunity that's opening up in a small rural town in Missouri, but we have to start scratch. Yeah. Cause I was, so I was, I enrolled her in this dream. Like I was, look, selling me. When I got into insurance, it was only because of the money at first. I was a 21 year old going around. At first, I was going to college for a law degree. So I had to get an internship to graduate. And I just happened, I went into banks, I went into lawyers' offices, and they both felt like funeral homes. I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to step a foot in this place. I just happened to stumble across a younger agent. And uh, he said, no thanks at first. I went back the next morning like, hey, I'm going to come here every day till you give me a job. I got to have an internship. Long story short, working two to three hours a day, a couple days a week, he gave me a he said, hey, this is, these are the types of checks you can make if, if you want to become an insurance agent, which was probably six months worth of my parents' income, like grew up very blue collar. And I was like, yeah, I could definitely foresee myself doing this. So shortly after college, I I got into it, rocking and rolling, met her, long story short. So I was a producer for two and a half years. Um, I got tired of, honestly, of waiting for the opportunity because we went through a weird blackout time back in range where they were only hiring in-person corporate employees. What year did you say that was? So that would have been 2000. We started our agency in 2014, so the blackout would have been from like 2011 to 2013, 2012 to 2013, because we would have, I would have proposed 2013. August of 2013, or I'm sorry, June of 2013, and then that opportunity came about August, and then we so we moved to the town in October, bought a house, hired a team, and then went full full force in April April 1st of 2014. It was always the April. That had to be scary as heck. Yeah. Dude, we had- We were we newlyweds. I brand to our name too, by the way. Like we probably shouldn't have been given an agency, but back then I was a high enough producer uh-huh. that- that 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 weight pulled some. They were like, uh-huh. hey, if we're not if we're not going to give it to uh-huh. somebody else is, so we might as well. That's right. Hey guys, it's Bradley. Look, are you tired of spending endless hours searching for potential business prospects? Look no further. With Leo, you can gain access to a whopping 40 million businesses. That's 40 million prospects in just seconds. Say goodbye to painstaking searches and hello to efficiency. You guys know I'm all about efficiency. Leo just isn't about speed, though. It's about accuracy, too. With Leo's cutting-edge tools, you can validate new producers faster than ever before. No more wasted time on unreliable data. Leo's got you covered. But that's not all. Leo empowers you to carve your own niche market using unparalleled data insights. Want to target specific dates for workers' comp? Done. Need to identify brokers or carriers to focus on? Leo has your back. And here's the icing on the cake, guys. Leo lets you search prospects based on size, revenue, dates, violations, and more. The possibilities are literally endless. Step into a world of business possibilities with Leo. Revolutionize the way you connect, target, prospect, and succeed. Don't miss out. Join the Leo community today. Go to meetleo.com, and when you go to book a demo or reach out to them, put 
in the How Did You Hear About Us field that you heard about them on the Insurance Guys podcast or IGP for short, you'll get 20% off. Talk to the folks at Leo. Highly recommend them. Thanks, guys. Michael, did you propose to her to be your wife or your account manager? Is that like a... <laughs> Man, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> it I think like that, both. Yeah, it's it, both. It, 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 I was it, following it, it, those timelines and I'm like, like wait, wait a minute. minute, wait a minute. He's like, wait a minute. If if I marry her, she'll work for me a he's little about, cheaper. He's about to share something with, hey, now, with, work with, work with, work with, with not for. No, that's good. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> no, I think to that point, that is the most important business decision that you are ever going to make is who you yeah. spend your life with, because that's the person that either hypes you up when you're like, hey, I have this idea, or that's the person that smothers your dreams. So we had to be on the same page. So I think it was a, a huge benefit to me to understand the industry that we were going into and to understand his perspective, because we ate every single meal at the office. We were there the entire day we had conversations about what was working, what was not working. We were baby business owners. We didn't know what we were doing, but we were figuring it out together. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that the decision we made to go all in and work together was by far the best decision we've ever made because from day one, it was relatable. Like she knew exactly what I was going through. I knew what she was going through. Even though I was working 18 plus hours a day, she understood why I was there because she was seeing the day to day. We ate every meal together and then we went on to form three, four, five other businesses together. And it's just been fun working side by side the entire time enrolling ourselves into this this vision and what we want out of our lives and who we want to help along the way. And, and I'm not going to dance around your question, Scott. You asked if it was a box. I think when we got into it and we started to really cut our teeth on entrepreneurship, our whole through line is how do we help people? Like, how do we take what we have learned and give it back? I think that that's why we're all put here is to really figure out your gift and to, to help others along the way. So throughout that process, I started going on and, and forming other businesses with him and he started doing the same in the insurance space where we were creating other, other venues or ventures that we could really help and serve. And I think it got to the spot where we could see where it was going and we knew that if we wanted to really help and we wanted to really take it to the next level, that we had to make a choice. Like we couldn't continue doing what we were doing and really make the impact that we were going to make. So, well, sometimes too, I think people get caught up in serial entrepreneurism, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. If you take a, a, a 30,000 and, and you can run multiple businesses at once. There's a lot of people that do that very successfully. You guys are two people that do that very successfully, but sometimes you have to like take a step back and there's, there may be one venture. It's like an 80, 20 rule. You know, mm -hmm. there's one that makes you 20% of your income, but takes 80% yeah. of your time. And sometimes it's good to, you know, push that bird out of the nest a little bit. You know, I had that happen recently with one of my ventures, but I think too, guys, I'd love to get your perspective on this. When you're in the same industry, let alone the same business, it allows your discussions at home to be that much more impactful because you get to skip through all of the, the BS of, explaining, giving context to mm -hmm. why you had a bad day. You know, I, I've told this story often, but the way I convinced my wife 
to date me was I said, Hey, how would you like to come home from a hard day? And you don't have to spend eight minutes explaining what uninsured motorist is. <laughs> you can just say, Hey, I had this uninsured motorist problem. You know what I mean? I think when you're in the same thing on a day-to-day -day basis, it allows you to solve problems at a much deeper level on the relationship side, because when there's a relationship issue or thing that comes up, you know what the other person's going through at work and the opposite happens as well. When something happens at work, you know, you know what I mean? Yep. hundred percent. And so, and I got, so I got two things. So the multiple streams of income I think are great, but I'll tell you by us exiting everything besides what we do now at Weaver Sales Academy, it has helped us take Weaver Sales Academy to the level where we wanted, and we still have very, very high hopes and, and visions and dreams, but by giving up the things that we're taking up lots of time, now, I wouldn't change it for the world because of so much we learned throughout the process right. of opening multiple businesses. All right. So, but by going in all in on one thing has has helped us a lot. And I'll tell you, like, it's a like a flip of a coin. All right. Like there's goods and there's bads with working together. Obviously, the goods is is you know exactly everything going on. You're on the same page. The discussions are all very relevant. The bad thing is, is if you don't watch it. Or the tough thing, not the bad thing is, is all you're doing is talking about business all the time. Like we really struggled with that the first I think what, we, two, three, four years. I think we still struggle with that. Like yeah. we still have to be checked on, I don't want to be your business partner right now. I want to be your wife. And we need to have different yep. conversations because when you're amped and you're excited about what you're doing, it's hard to not obsess over it. It's hard to not continually be like, all right, let's work on this. Let's, what about this? What do you think about this? How do we implement or strategize? Like, it's hard to not say, okay, wait a minute. Let's just have a conversation as a couple. Yeah. And conversely to that, when you're like me and you get kicked in the nuts about every three days by one of your myriad of issues you're having, it's hard not to go home and complain about it. So yeah. now at my house on my bathroom mirror that I see every time I walk in the bathroom, I put a big sticky note up there that says, leave work at work. Yeah. Mm. And I took Jocko Willick, I'm sure you know who that is, podcast. I heard him talking one day. He said, you may tell you how to leave work at work. Uh, one way to help you do it is as soon as you walk in the door, start stripping your clothes off and get in a pair of gym shorts it's and like a t-shirt. all of that off. Mm -hmm. I do that. So yeah. every day I come home, first thing I do, I start throwing my clothes off. But I had a question because our mission on this podcast never changes. It is to help agents any way we can. And I know one of our biggest demographics of this podcast, of the 250,000 agents that listen to it, is newer agents, people that just, you know, a lot of them hadn't been in too terribly long, you know. What advice would the two of you give? Because if anybody can empathize with you, it's me, because I've been part of a scratch State Farm agency for two years. I know how difficult that is. I know how much they keep up with what is going on relative to reporting and sales and those types of things. What advice would you guys give to these newer agents that are just starting? Because that first in any, year, in any part of the industry, that first yeah. year, y'all were in the eye of the hurricane. Well, I mean, we tell new, I mean, even new producers too. I tell every new producer that comes here, Hey, the first year is going to suck. No matter how good you do. Right. No matter how good you are, the right. first year is going to suck. Yeah. It's just, it's tough on so many levels because as a, your learnings, unless you have prior business experience, which I, which neither one of us did, you're learning 
how to be the CEO. You're learning how to be the leader. You're learning how to be the manager. You're probably having to step in and sell. You might be the janitor, all right? Because it's all going to come back to time, skill, and money. Unfortunately, when we started, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a ton of skill. I knew how to sell, but I didn't know how to do anything else. But we had time and I could and we could maximize that. So you're going to work your tail off more than likely the first couple of years. But to get to your question around advice, I go tactical automatically of processes and systems. My goal was always, our goal was always, we wanted our agency to run like a McDonald's. Regardless if you go to McDonald's in LA or New York, the cheeseburgers made the same way every single time and it tastes the same way every single time. And we wanted, so we wanted to be so clear on our processes and systems, everything from our recruiting to, okay, once we recruit, what does the hiring process look like? What is the onboarding process? How, how are team meetings structured from a one-on-one -on -one to a team huddle to production to quarterly meetings to what do the sales processes look like from your new business conversation to your appointment strategy to your cross-selling strategies and everything in between. I can keep going through those marketing retention. And so that's the one thing I would say from a new agent business owner perspective, you need to have processes and systems in place with as many as you can think of from day one as possible. And then you're also going to make changes along the way. And those need to be documented. I would recommend doing it on paper and also in video format, especially video, because then you can duplicate yourself to where you're not telling the same new hire, the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Put together a learning management system. That's right. Yeah. Send them through, you know, I think it's, it's interesting too, because and Courtney, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, when you start sales solves all your problems. Mm -hmm. Sales cures all, baby. And But the longer you go, sometimes it seems like sales adds more problems. And what happens, I think, in the beginning, and I've been guilty of this several times, and we've had producers here that have been guilty of this. You start, and it's sell, 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 sell. Some will, some won't. God bless who's next. If somebody doesn't want to buy from you, throw that one to the wind and go to the next one, right? But if you don't take the time to properly set the infrastructure and get your process down of how are we doing our X dates, how are we doing our win backs, step one, step two, step three, step four, you end up in this rat race. Whereas if you would have taken a little bit less production the first year and spent time to put processes together, you actually set yourself up better for the long run. I would agree. And my answer is kind of similar to that, Bradley, but I'm going to focus more on the marketing side because that's where I spent most of my time was you need to figure out who is your ideal customer and what kind of business are you running? Mm. Because there's a lot of different things that you can do in insurance. And if you figure out who you are speaking to, because if you're talking about sales and sales cures all, you need to know where they're at. You need to know where to find them because you always want to have your funnel full. So I would say my biggest advice would be, who is your ideal customer? What kind of business do you want to have? What does your book of business look like? Because our big thing was we wanted sticky business. So how do we build sticky business? Well, we have better quality conversations. We meet with three out of four customers. That was part of our compensation plan. Meet with as many many people as you can. That's how you get paid. And then make sure that you're servicing those customers with quality coverage, going over discounts. Like we knew exactly who we were talking to. So we were okay saying no, if they weren't a fit, even if it, it was painful in the beginning of like, ah, I yeah. could take this. I'm not taking scraps. I want to take like, yeah. who is my customer here? Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. 
guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, over 50 plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months, that's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. I'll give you guys a, something that I've always done, and I've actually never even shared this publicly that I know of from a marketing standpoint, especially, is I've always tried to figure out, okay, who, and I've done this since 2015, and it changes over time. Figure out who your target prospect is, your client avatar, what they like, what their belief system is, what their income is, what their socioeconomic background is, you know, all the things, right? And then try to equate that, and this comes in super handy with social media as it as it relates to what type of content to create. Equate that, find a friend, somebody that you know really well that fits in that category almost perfectly. Mm -hmm. And instead of creating the content to that avatar, create it for that specific person. Yep. yep. I've always done what, that. What, like talk to them about what do they want to see? No, no, no. See? They don't even, they don't know. You're just thinking, say, Darren Bobo. Let's say Darren Bobo, mm -hmm. Scott's friend Darren Bobo, fits in. He's your target avatar. Sure. sure. Create content that you think Devin Bobo will like, Darren Bobo will like. That's cool. I've, I, it changes, for me, it changes about every two to three years. But I always have a friend or an acquaintance, and I'm creating content for this person. Which is so important because then you know exactly who you're talking to, the copy. I mean, I think that's the most difficult part of marketing. Well, and, and there's a connection there. You're not just speaking to a camera hole. You're nope. talking to a specific person about 
stuff that matters to them. You have the answer to their questions. Yep. I got a question for Bradley real quick, and then we're going to come right back to you. You mentioned processes and procedures. I know you're a big process and procedure guy. Mm -hmm. What's your methodology or do you have a methodology on making sure that you're inspecting what you expect relative to, you know, Michael, I can get Michael to create a thousand processes for me. So, and, but if I'm not, if I'm not inspecting that and making sure it's getting done, then everybody goes right back. You know, I tell, I tell people guys all the time, told my agents this last week. I said, I got five offices. I said, everybody here has a process. You just don't know it. You, if you don't have a sales process, you have a sales process. Uh It's just, that's how I do it. Right. So I'm sorry. How do you, so so I'm actually in two weeks, I'm flying to Nebraska to speak to the independent agents in Nebraska and the title of the presentation that you eat corn, the (laughs) (laughs) coming to those cornfield days, baby. (laughs) Exactly. The title of the uh, the present. My wife's best friend lives in Nebraska, so we're excited about seeing her and, and meeting her new boyfriend, which I've been joking is a stalk of corn. The title of the presentation. They made me change it. The title of it is "Go Fire Yourself," mm. Mm. Um, which I've thrown around writing a book, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I want to do that. I wanted to title it "Go F Yourself," but the F stood for firing. But there's a a slide in there called Brown M and M's. You ever heard the brown M&M story? I've heard the green M&M story. So Van Halen. I love green when, M&Ms. I just don't want them every day. Yeah. You ever heard that? No. Never mind. It's so a joke. When Van Halen was touring, I think back in the 80s, mm-hmm. they had this really elaborate stage set up that mm-hmm. required the venue to do a lot of things in the stadium, in the venue that they normally wouldn't have to do for an act. Whether 100%. it's around pyrotechnics. I, I, I've like, heard about the Van Halen rider in the that's 80s. what it is so that's, that's what it is Where, so, so yeah. the stage setup was so elaborate that the the venue had to do a lot of extra stuff mm-hmm. so what they did is in their rider they all they included all the stuff they do for the stage but then they also included hey we need a bag of m&ms with all the brown ones removed or either we need only brown m&ms mm-hmm. one of those two and they knew if they got to that venue and there was brown m&ms in there or there was no brown They're M&Ms, good. then they, they needed to check it. Right. If if they followed it to the T on that granular level. So use that in insurance. So terms. so one way that we do that here is all of our processes, we try to automate as much as possible. And so we use our CRM yep. pretty heavily. Right. So everything can be tracked step one, step two, step three, step four, step five in the CRM. So I'll give you an, I'll give Who's you a real, I'll give you a, Either me, Kenneth, or if something goes wrong, we know we almost have every process dialed to the T that if something goes wrong, we know somebody didn't fall step somewhere. So I'll give you an example. And this is super basic. This isn't a big problem, but we had a new home closing and one of our virtual assistants in the Philippines was calling the title company, getting payment, trying to get mm-hmm. payment. Well, y'all know you, you don't have to call title companies to get payment. Mm-hmm. They just like, that's the one time you get mm-hmm. paid as an insurance agent automatically it's going to come within a couple of days. And I was like, why is she calling? Mm-hmm. And so had we not have processes and systems that are written down and in a physical form in our system, we would say, Hey, Sally, you don't have to call the bank or you don't have to call the title company for closing slap on the wrist. Sure. But, but, but because the process is in a physical form in a CRM, we, we were able to trace back. So like my dad's an electrical contractor, as you know, and when we would go to 
say a house and say your light's not working, right? You check the bulb. Okay, the bulb's good. Okay, you check the switch. Okay, the switch is good. You check the wire. Okay, the wire's good. Process. You, process of elimination. So we're able to trace. That's how I think about process. Same way my dad taught me to do electrical. We're able to trace that back to, oh, wait a minute. And we're actually found the producer gave some bad information right. when the policy was written that made the VA think, oh, I'm supposed to call a title company. Right. So whereas in 99.9% .9 of agencies, that VA would have gotten in trouble. VA was just doing what she was told. You know what I mean? So right. so it's 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 making your processes so solid that when some, something yeah. is deviated, you can tell. And by the way, like I don't want a bunch of robots. Deviation's okay as long mm -hmm. as it works and it's the best interest mm -hmm. of the customer and the agency. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Sorry for the tangent. No, Michael, Courtney. I like the transparency there. Like, it's all about transparency. I came here today for one reason. Okay. Wildly interested in the quote three method. I got to hear about it. I want to hear. I could, I could literally, Bradley would leave and go home because he's got a kid at home <laughs> and his wife would be pissed. If he, I, I'm, down, I'm down here by myself. I could sit here until midnight tonight and talk about this. But I want to hear about the, you know, the sales academy, obviously, Weaver Sales Academy, but the quote three method. I want to I want to learn about that today. Yeah, let's talk about it. So and can I just add one additional thing? If I'm if I'm encouraging a new agent getting into the business, because Bradley's little reference to his VA triggered this is hire people around you, hire good people like that's you can't you're never going to accomplish what you want to accomplish by yourself. It takes a village. And so one of the best things you can do from the very beginning, even if it makes things tight, is hire. you got to hire them eventually anyway. That's right. It's yeah. much easier to hire them in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You're broke no matter what you do mm -hmm. than to wait two years and hire them. And now you've already scaled up your lifestyle, yeah. that income, and you got to go back. That's right. So quote three. All right. Quote three is a simplistic method that we teach because I believe that we are in a radical transformation right now within the industry. Mm. And we've always, I don't know about you all, but coming up through the insurance industry and even just sales in general, what are you always taught? Just do more, just make more calls, just do more quotes, just spend more money, just work more hours, just do more, baby, just do more. All right. Well, more of the wrong thing is just more of the wrong shit, all right? Like more does not always um, solve the problem. So that's how we came up with the quote three method. And all quote three is, look, doesn't matter if you want to reference this as quote proposals, presentations, appointments. That is having three quality conversations a day. Now, what is a quality conversation? Look, a, a quote is not when you get somebody on the phone and you say, hey, yeah, I got good news for you. It's $250 today. Well, what the hell is $250 getting your customer? All right. So three quality conversations a day. I'm talking everything from the elevator pitch to the rapport building, to the discovery phase of the conversation, to an actual proposal where you are quoting more coverage and more policies, actually solving problems, adding in your value statements, and then asking for the sell a minimum of three times. If you do this three times a day, every single day as an insurance producer, if you have an, if you're an agency owner and you have a team, if every person does the quote three method on average on cold business, they're going to close one out of three households. If they're having quality needs-based conversations, I don't know about you, but one household a day per producer is going to solve a lot of problems. All right. We're talking six figure earners, maybe seven figure earners. And that's all it is. It's simplifying what you do every single day as an insurance sales professional. Mm. 
Like, don't overcomplicate this. Right. I'm looking at Courtney because I kind this. She's putting off the energy like she has something she wants to say. <laughs> I think the industry that I kind of grew up with in insurance was the do more. And I think coming from the captive space of, did you quote five people? Did you quote ten people? And I always go back to the quality of business that we wanted. And I think where we're headed now with all of this tech, this kind of solves the problem because you can leverage tech to do a lot of your service. But what you can't leverage tech for is conversations with people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's what you want. You want the stickier business, not just this transactional churn and burn because live by price, die by price. And just like she's saying, I mean, if you look at, so if you look at your Gen Z, so I think they're like roughly 15 to 25 right now. And then your millennials or your, your 20, 25 to mid forties. Oh, you're millennial. I'm, I barely made the millennial. We're elders, we're baby. Elder. We're, we're elder elders millennials. Yep. So, but what we're looking for and what the data shows is that one go-to person. So as an insurance professional, as an insurance agency owner, if I'm thinking, how do I make sure I don't become extinct? You have to build relationships with your customers. You have to have the retention. You have to have the referrals. You have to become that one-stop shop. You have to take a really holistic approach. All right, this transactional selling that's kind of, um, that the industry's honestly got away with the last 10 to 15 years of just, hey, let's just get an auto up on the board and move to the next person. That's why you're seeing all these profitability issues right now. Like I, they're, like we are in a shit storm right now. And I think this is something I, we've been preaching now for a while. Uh, and it's something that I think is going to be detrimental to agency owners are going to have to, and, and sales professionals are going to have to make a choice. Like you're either going to be there or you may potentially be extinct in the future. If you decide not to build relationships with your customers. It's like I had a, a kid reach out to me that I know uh, two weeks ago and he's like, Hey man, I need an auto insurance policy for one day. Like he was like selling a car and there was some kind of weird rule in Florida where it had to be insured for him to sell it to a dealership or some kind of crazy thing like that. And then Bradley gave him my cell phone. And I was like, dude, uh, <laughs> my, I said, this is exactly what I said. I said, my margins don't work for you to keep a policy one day. Mm -hmm. That's the most my, my margins wonderful work. answer I've ever heard. You need to be here like eight years for me to even crack a profit. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously an extreme example, hey. but, but it, it's right. I mean, yeah. putting, trying to put stuff on the board for the sake of putting stuff on the board. It's why one of our core values is always play the long game. Like mm -hmm. I don't want this yep. car sales, do whatever I can do to get you right. to buy from me. I don't care if you're screwed over tomorrow, because the thing is we have to have the relationship with the customer. You know what I mean? It's you got to turn around and see them tomorrow. And especially if you're writing people in your community, you got to see them at church. You got to see them at the dentist's office. It's not, you know what I mean? It, it, when you, when you approach it from that angle, you really just need to do what's best for the customer and worry about everything else second. Yeah. When you do things for the right reasons, everything works itself out. Um, Cause I think sometimes coming from like the state farm world, the captive world, cause I've talked to other like farmers, all states, I feel like there's almost this mindset of it has to be this way or it has to be that way. I either have to, to get the trophies, to get the recognition, to do the travel trips. I either have to push apps and I might not make very much money, but at least I'll be, I'll be getting up on stage or I have to choose not to maybe rank as high as I want, but write better business, make more money. Right. I don't believe that there is a an either or an or. I believe that both can be done if you do it the right way. So guys, I've got two questions for you. And all, all I do is I channel myself into, you know, I'm just an insurance producer, like all these other agents listening right now. 1000% agree with what you're saying. 
But if I'm an insurance producer right now and I'm listening to this, the first thing I ask is, okay, Michael, you're the owner of the state farm agent. You want me to have three quality conversations per day. Where am I getting my leads from? And how am I starting those three quality conversations? What What are your, I guess, ideas or recommendations on where these agents can go to start these three quality conversations? Great conversation. So we're talking acquisition strategies now. And look, the reason you have inconsistent sales production is because you have inconsistent funnels. Now this mm. goes all the way back to what Courtney was just talking about. At first, you have to figure out your ideal customer. Who are you speaking to? Who do you want to attract? Because if you're marketing to everyone, you're marketing to no one. Right. And so first you have to figure out your ideal, your ideal customer. All right. Now, now there's multiple new business acquisition strategies. Like I'm going to recommend you have a minimum of three with a goal of five, because it's kind of like fishing. I'm not even a big fisherman, but I'm smart enough to know that if I have one line in the water, I give myself a odds of catching one fish. If I have five lines in the water, my odds of catching five fish goes up. All right. So you're going to have multiple strategies. Now, maybe you like internet leads. I'm not a big fan of internet leads, but I know a lot of agents are. So maybe internet leads is part of your equation. The issue I see with internet leads is that producers become dependent on internet leads. All right. If, if leads aren't coming in, nothing's getting sold. All right. I got no beef with internet leads. You want them to, you want them to be part of your marketing plan. Great. That's one strategy. What are other strategies that are going to help you fill your funnel with the right customer? So maybe that's social media. Now, social media can be a long-term brand awareness strategy, or you can actually get into the DMS and DM people and ask them, Hey, I'm, I just saw that you bought a house. I actually specialize in, in helping people. I work at XYZ insurance company. What, who helped you out with your insurance? actually getting in and direct messaging people. Cold calling, that was something that we did. We bought X date lists and data lists because they were super inexpensive because we didn't have a lot of money and we just, we hit the phones every day. All right, that's what we did. And we, and mainly who we targeted were homeowners. All right, so we target because that's what we wanted to grow our book of business with. I mean, the list of strategies goes on and on. Endless, endless. Yes, and I think the marketing strategy you're talking about, where do you get business? I think it's a collision of where your skill sets lie, like what you enjoy doing and what you can do at scale with your resources. So if you don't have a ton of money, internet leads might not be your primary source. Like this may be something where you are cold calling, you are getting out in the community. If you are somebody who doesn't like to network, I would not put that as one of your top marketing strategies. Obviously have that in there, but I think it's kind of this Venn diagram of what do I really enjoy doing? that I have skill sets in? And then how do I maximize that with my current resources, time, money, and skill? And I think when it comes to the conversation, since we were so much cold call base, it's the elevator pitch. And I'll let you give the example of what it sounds like to have like an elevator pitch in the full conversation. Yeah, we can, I mean, we can break down the elevator pitch. So the elevator pitch is who you are. Wait a minute. Let's stop right there. The elevator pitch. Are we getting into what you're saying to someone when you call their number and they answer and now now we're or meet them in person now the game now the game started now the we yep. kicked the ball off the tee yeah yep yep and we or, and or maybe it may be in person yeah maybe in person yeah yeah now before i all right actually before i do the conversation started look i think we can't miss referrals either sure all right i think everybody wants more referrals if you can build a referral-based business 
there's multiple referral strategies out there. I don't think there is one that's better than the other, but I can tell you that by meeting with your customers, which goes back to the quote three as well, after you close the business, you meet with them, but by meeting with your customers, you're going to become instantly referable and you're going to retain that business for longer. So you either need to be meeting them in person or virtually. All right. Now, there's other referral strategies out there as well. And you should have multiple referral strategies, multiple referral ask. When you close somebody's business, you should be asking for a referral. When you provide exceptional customer service, you should be asking for a referral. When you have a when a customer has a great claims experience with your company or your agency, you should be asking for a referral because consistency beats intensity. What you consist mm. consistency consistently do, that's what you're going to see, what you're consistently sure. focused on and bringing up. All right. So let's get back to the, the conversation starter. So the conversation starter is your elevator pitch. I would say that most insurance professionals, I know everything starts on the phone. 99.9% of new business is going to be started over the phone. So your elevator pitch is structured with number one, who are you? And you have, you have less than 15 seconds to get your elevator pitch out. Okay. So who are you? What are you calling about? why, which is your big, bold statement, and then you're going to assume the conversation. So this doesn't matter if it's an internet lead, if it's a referral, maybe it's a cold call. All right. So who are you? Hey, this is Michael Weaver from XYZ Insurance Company. So, hey, Bradley, this is Michael Weaver from XYZ Insurance Company. All right. So who am I? My name is Michael Weaver. What am I calling for? All right, here we go. Hey, Bradley, this is Michael Weaver from XYZ Insurance Company, giving you a call in regards to your auto and home insurance or auto and renters or whatever. So auto home. I'm automatically saying what I'm calling. Now, why? What's your big, bold statement? Now, you can take this a variety of ways. You can talk about saving money. You can talk about helping people. You can talk about how you were voted number one in customer service last year in town. All right, so one of my big, bold statements is always, and if I was right now in the insurance market, I'm gonna catch them off guard. Hey, Bradley, this is Michael Weaver from XYZ Insurance Company. Your auto insurance rates just went up. And I was giving you a call because I've helped the last nine out of 10 people I've talked to tell me, is your address at 101 Main Street? Mm. Like you have to give a big, bold statement and attention grabber. Yeah, that's right. Now, one of my favorites back now, this is just the market we're in right now. Like one of my favorites was always just, hey, Bradley, this is Michael Weaver from XYZ Insurance Company giving you a call in regards to your auto and home insurance. The last nine out of 10 people I talked to, I was able to help out. Are you still at 101 Main Street? If you're saving people money, because look, just because you grab someone's attention with saving me money doesn't mean that you have to save them money. Right. I actually want you to be more expensive on every single conversation because you're providing them more value. You're providing them, you're solving problems. But you could say, hey, I just saved the last person I talked to $956. So is your address 101 Main Street? Anything to grab their attention. All right, that you're, would be a- you're also assuming they want it too, which gets, you're not giving them an out. It's an open-ended question. The assumption is the, I don't want to say it's the most important part of the process, but just like you assume the sell, you assume the quote. You're never going to get to the end and say, so what do you think? Or how does that sound? Or would you right. be interested? You go straight into the conversation. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to get objections. You're going to get objections. All right. But this is going to liken your, because you're asking, is your address this? That's an automatic yes question. I want them to answer yes. And then I'm going to follow it up with great. So what kind of cars do you drive? Another really easy, simple question to ask them to get them started. Then I go into the report building. But, phase but of the wait a minute, wait a minute. You're never, you're never doing like, uh, did I catch you at a bad time or is it's a good time for you to talk or anything like that. I'm not when it comes to personal lines, business consumer, mm-hmm. what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. I'm not because everyone's busy. You're busy. I'm busy. Shit. Everybody's busy. And do you believe in the the wolf of Wall Street mantra of 
you've got roughly four seconds for somebody to know you're you're energetic but not weird energetic you're sharp as attack and then third this is somebody i need to talk to yeah so you don't want to sound like man you're bringing up a really valid point because a lot of people struggle with being salesy they say, right. they feel like they have to sound a certain way do you need to be professional? Yes. Do you need to be crisp? Yes. Do you need to practice and get good at what you're doing? Yes. But be yourself. When you're talking to somebody, when you call somebody, act like it's somebody that an old classmate, an old coworker that you catching up with. But the biggest thing I see what you're talking about, Scott, is when so many times when you're making calls, what else are you doing? You're scrolling on social media, you're checking your email, you're thinking of all the shit that you got to do that you, you're not done with yet. When you're making calls, you need to be intentional with what you're doing. So when somebody actually picks up the phone, you are prepared and ready. That is the one of the best tips I can give you when, when starting a conversation. You have to be intentional with what you're doing. Right. I got another question. You just covered a lot of ground, okay? Because in my mind, the most important part of this phone call is what we just went over, that somebody is going to give you the opportunity to quote their business based on tonality, your energy, your sharpest attack. This is somebody I need to talk to. And they, in their mind, whether they say it or not, they're okay. Yeah. My in, just got my renewal. My insurance went up by $600. Sure. Well, I'd love to let you quote the it. The beautiful thing about our, our product. And I tell new hire prospects this all the time everybody buys insurance. Mm -hmm. If we go to the top floor of this building, everything we can see is insured. Correct. Everybody's your prospect. You just have to know who your target prospect is and how are you going to get their attention enough to let them talk to you? Right. So, so get them to talk to you. Yeah. So the, the next part of this conversation is what I call the body. Okay. I used to tell people when I played college basketball, the two most important times during a basketball game when you're watching a basketball game, say the March Madness stuff, most of the stuff you're seeing, they're just going back and forth and back and forth. But those few minutes right before halftime and those few minutes right after halftime are, are really important points in the game. And then it kind of gets back into the flow. So what I'm about to say is now we're getting to the I need to gather some information to give you a quote phase, which to me is kind of the that's just kind of the flow of the game. Birthday, name, driver's license address, you know, and, and I think that's the part of the game where we go back to what Courtney said earlier about, I, I can't remember which one of you actually said it, but like this actual real defining, I want to solve a problem for you today. I want to help you. Tell me what kind of issues you've been having. Uh, I want to make sure you're properly covered. How do you approach the body of the game and that pain, any pain points that may be out there? So this goes into the second stage of the conversation. So you're right. So you've got your rapport building phase and your discovery phase. And look, a simple rule for anyone listening to this right now is the 80-20 rule. 80% of the conversation needs to be built around the rapport and the discovery, finding the pain points. 20% needs to be built around the boring shit that you have to have for the quote, like the cars, the date of birth. 100%. But so many times, you know this, I know this, and you even listening right now, you might be like, oh, shoot, I don't I don't build any rapport. I don't ask anyone what their struggle is. I don't mm. ask anyone, hey, what's got you shopping today besides price? And so this this portion is really so you got to think of the this is old 
F-O-R, family, occupation, recreation, write this down really easy, but people do business with those that they know they like and they trust. And so you have to build a commonality and it's a short, I'm not saying you build rapport for a ton of time. Like I'm saying you have five, seven, 10 minutes to do this, but you can find out a lot. There's a reason you were born with two ears and one mouth for a reason. If you just learned how to ask the questions like, hey, did you grow up around the area? Hey, what do you do for a living? And when they when they answer, I'm a UPS driver. How long you how long you work at UPS? What do you like about what you do? Get super curious. Like, if you can just get curious about the situation, that you're gonna be a better sales professional. You're gonna make way more sales. Well, and I think that there's a lot that's not said too, based on the words that they use or how they emphasize things or what's important to them that you can not immediately sell to, but you can hear what their values are. When they start talking and answering these questions, you can kind of form a picture of this person needs X, Y, and Z without them even having to say they need, you know, an umbrella policy or life insurance is a fear of theirs or saving for retirement. You can tell based on these questions. That's right. So what guys, what we're talking about right now is the difference Okay, we talked about the start of the game. I keep calling it the game, but the start of the game is, hey, my name's Scott Howell. I protect insurance, you know, whatever you want to say for your value proposition after that or your big, bold claim. But now we're getting into the flow of the game, and now we're talking about the difference between a boring-ass, basic bitch. Name, date of birth. Conversation. Name, date of birth. What? Yeah, yeah, wife's name, what's her cell phone, all that, and having a what I call a quality conversation where I say, John, where'd you grow up at? Well, I actually grew up in Fayette, Fayette, Alabama. Hell, do you know Whitney Oswalt? That's my brother-in-law. Yep. Yeah. Where do you work at? Well, I work at UPS. Holy shit. Bruce Payne, (laughs) my agent down in Prosper, used to be a UPS driver for 14 years. How you like that new pay raise y'all just got? Yeah. How you like that new pay raise? So we went from a basic bitch conversation mm-hmm. to a quality conversation where we're building rapport while we're asking these questions. You just became relatable. Mm-hmm. 100%. You're relatable. You became a person. 100%. You're not just someone reading down a screen asking the questions that you have to ask to perform the job that you're being asked to do. You're actually going a step further that is not even that much of additional step that actually shows that you give a shit. Like, yeah. who are you talking to? Like, you have to care. If you were in this business, you have to care or you're going to struggle the rest of your career. And that's why you're becoming relatable. Question for you. Did you ever, while you were an agent, whether they called you or you called them at some point in the conversation, ask the question, if they called you, a lot of agents do this up front. Why'd you call us today? Well, tell me what's going on with you. Tell me, tell me, or or, or, or tell, tell me what you don't like right now about where you are. Now, 87% of the time, they'll say, I'm paying too much for insurance. 100% of the time, they say, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything sometimes else? they'll are say, there any other reasons. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes they'll say, well, every time I call over there, nobody will answer. Yep, the, girl, yep. the girl answering the phone's a bitch, blah, 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 blah. Do you ever do that in, in your sales process, or do you just leave that off? No, that's the that's part of the discovery conversation. Yeah. So, okay. so there's a difference between the rapport. So, the rapport is the family, occupation, recreation, finding commonalities, becoming relatable, and then you're hitting step three or stage three of of the five step process that we teach to make a minimum of six figures a year as an insurance producer is the discovery phase. Now, one of my favorite questions that I always ask is actually what you kind of hey besides price, 
what do you look for in, in insurance or, or besides price? What's got you shopping today? Now, a hundred percent of people, I know what you're thinking right now. Well, shit, Michael, if I ask that, they're going to say price. Yes, price. they a hundred percent are going to say price in which that's why you have to be able to, Hey, I'm with you. But besides price, for example, if you ever have a car accident, what are you going to expect out of me, your insurance agent in the company that I represent? Like, what does an ideal claim situation look like from start to finish from the time you call me until the time your, your claims paid out? Do you have rental car? Like, what does it look like? Maybe customer service. You can go this route too. All right. Hey, besides, besides price, I get that. But what does good customer service look like? For example, I called my, I called a, a company I work with the other day. They didn't call me back for four days. I was irate. Like, is that the type of customer service you expect? Or what does great customer service look like? And are you going to expect out of me and our agency? And when you get that other than price reason, that's what you anchor your proposal yep. to. Like, hey, well, you know, other than price, I mean, it takes them forever to turn around certificates. Sure. When you deliver your proposal, hey, here's, here's the here's proposal. A, here's how we're going to fix that. It's this much cheaper or it's this much more expensive, but you're going to get certificates in 10 seconds. Right. Dang, Bradley, you're, you're taking my you're taking my info Sorry, already. Dude. I apologize. Hey, Sorry, guys. hey, hey, let me let me let me give you one. Let me give you one that I you I'm sure you guys already know this. Mike Stromsoism right here. So you're in the discovery space. You're asking, you're having a quality conversation, not a basic mm -hmm. bitch conversation. Here's the question. That's the title of this episode. Basic I like yeah, it, I, th basic I think bitch that's where it's going. Let's do it. Here, here's, here's the question. Michael, I'm going to say two words. You pick one word of the two. Tell me which one's most important to you, service or price. Now, that's a pretty powerful, now, now you know where you stand. Are they going to be more price driven or are they more service driven i love that yep that's a great question so we're we're through discovery now we had a quality conversation where are we now in your process step four yep so next going to be the proposal so and i just want to throw this out there when discovery look they're going to try to keep things high level they're going to try to give you really short answers you have to do a really good job of digging tell me more about that why would that be important to you all right so really listen and dig all right i that's one of the best tips I can give in the discovery phase. Get them talking because 96% of people buy off of emotion. Insurance is no different than that. Yet so many people want to sell off price. It's their emotion, but that's part of the rapport. Do they like you? Do you have anything in common with them? Are you relatable? That's part of an emotional buy. Discovery, what's important to them, just like Bradley hinted at. You're then going to take the information you gather and come back around in the proposal during your value statement. So next you've got your proposal. One easy, one easy tip I can give you right now listening to this is if you just quote more coverage and more policies every single time, you are going to automatically close more business because you're providing additional value, period. Now, a lot goes into the educational portion of it and the storytelling portion and making sure they understand the difference between what they have and what you're providing them and why. But if you just get really good at, hey, I'm quoting more coverage and more policies because my job is to make sure you're adequately protected on your worst day. So when you have a freak car accident and you hit somebody head on and they go to the hospital and they have a $736,000 bill that your wages aren't getting garnished. And I have a good story for this. I, I I encourage you to incorporate stories and anyone listening to this, get stories from those around you, your peers. We all have stories, all right? But um, incorporate stories into your presentation. Last step, then we got to go in a minute. And then we're, okay. we're, we're going to have y'all back on. The step close. five. Yep, the, the close. close, baby. That's right. We got to make money. The only way you actually help somebody is if you get payment information. Don't get things twisted.
You can build rapport. You can have a discovery conversation. You can propose the best product suite available to them. But if they don't actually say yes, you're not helping anybody. So you have to get comfortable asking for the sell a minimum of three times. That's what I teach. It's kind of like the rule of three we're talking about. All right. So quote three, rule of three, like ask for the sell minimum of three times and always assume the sell. So when you get done with your, your, your proposition, your value statements, Hey, for everything we talked about today, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, it's going to be $236 a month. Do you want to put that on your Visa, MasterCard, or American Express today? I love the assumption close. Tell them how to do business with you. Yeah. Because when you present them the perfect proposal that solves their problem that's a reasonable price, their brain is automatically going to, I bet this is going to be difficult to sign up for. Mm -hmm. yep. Hey, Explain to them the process of signing up. Right. And you solve that objection before it even comes up. Well, we blew past objections. Now, Michael, do you agree or disagree? You and Courtney both. I'd love – maybe you may have two different opinions on this. Do you agree that objections are a lack of confidence in something that they don't feel comfortable enough to pull the trigger on? Yes or no? I don't I don't, I don't. don't know whether I believe it or not. Can I take this one real yeah. fast? Yeah. Then, all right, so – I actually think that from the time that we're what six months old, we're told no, 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 don't do this, don't do that, don't buy from that person. He's just trying to get in your pocket. He's a sleazy ass salesperson. All right. So I actually think it's your job as the insurance professional, sales professional, is to be prepared to overcome those objections because sometimes it's just an automatic no because of the fear of giving somebody payment information over the phone that they've never met before. And so one easy closing statement, one to 10 close. So you assume it and then they come back with a, it's more expensive. Or I got to talk to my spouse. I got to think about it. Great. On a scale from one to 10, one being you have zero interest in doing business with me today, 10 being everything sounds amazing. And you want to get started today, where are you at on that scale? It's super easy and non, it's non-pushy because what they're going to say most of the time is a six, seven, eight, or nine in which you say, Hey, that's a really high score. I know you got a lot of important things to do with your time and insurance probably isn't one of them. Let's just go ahead and get this started today. You want to put that on Visa, MasterCard, American Express. Um, and if it's lower, it, I always say my rule is if it's a seven, eight, or nine, 10, I do that. If it's a six or less, hey, that score is a little bit lower than what I was hoping. What were you hoping for that I'm not able to provide you today? So then I'm trying to get to the actual root because then there's an actual objection. So what is the actual root of the objection if they give you a six or lower? Yeah. What's what's your thought? I think objections are more so a lack of confidence from the buyer's perspective. Than, right, that's what I mean. Yeah. I think we're all scared to make the wrong choice. So yeah. we don't want to make a choice. So we're, we're going to come up with the same objections. I need to think about it. I need to check with my spouse. Let me get back to you. It's because we're delaying making a decision. I think we're all wired like that. And what's your answer to that? I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to my spouse. I need to talk to my spouse. Hey, I'm with you. Me and my spouse make all buying decisions together as well. But when's the last time you were a hundred percent sold on something that you knew was in the best financial decision for your family and your spouse told you, no, let's just go ahead and get this taken care of today. And if you go home, talk to your spouse tonight, you give me a call tomorrow. We'll act like that never happened. I just need your visa, MasterCard or American Express. I like it. I, I, I like, like I said, I could sit here and talk. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to shut Scott up. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Our, our next guest is actually sitting out in the lobby waiting on us. I today. know, I know. Hey, before we leave, tell these agents if they want to talk to you guys about training, how to get in touch with you. I'm I'm assuming y'all do live. Can you go into an agency and do live training with their staff? Tell them how to get in touch with you. 
I think the easiest thing, if you want to get in touch with us, you can text us directly. Okay. So you can text us at 816-727-7610. Let us know your problems. That's us. We'll answer. We'll review objections that you're coming up on. Since you're already in the ears, you can listen to our podcast, The Insurance Buzz, where we break things down, or you can just follow us on social media. Courtney and Michael Weaver and Weaver Sales Academy. We work with over 10,000 agents across the country, really specializing in what we do on a day-to-day basis, how to become sales professionals and not product pushers. We have a on-demand library. We have a 10-day training. We have an eight-week training. We cover all objections, life insurance, cross-selling, everything that it takes to be successful in the insurance industry. Thank you guys so much for being on here. I want to I, I definitely want to have you guys back on and talk. You know, I purposefully tried to keep that pretty, I'm sure you could tell, yeah. I could I could have gotten way down in, but I didn't have time because I've only got an hour to like really get in the weeds. So I tried to hit each, each one of the steps, but also do it in a way that gave them just enough information, but not spend the whole time on one step. I, I would love to to deep dive further. I really would, but. Thank you guys hey so much. You, you send us an email. We'd love to come back on. <laughs> I will definitely this do that. This was fun. I'm going to shut this thing down as I end every episode. Rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Stop running TPS reports and go out into the big bad world and build relationships. Make money for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, for your parents and your in-laws that are struggling out there today. Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. We love you, too. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.